if the person gets up too many times during a three-hour flight, like if they go to the bathroom six times and you're trying to get some sleep, like does that annoy you? Does you know? So depends on where they're getting up. The alternative might not be good. That, you know what I'm saying? There it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Just about 12 minutes after 6, so glad you're with us here on this Monday morning. Wisconsin's Morning News, and this one sounds more like something you'd see in a Charlie Barron's Manitowoc Minute. This is real life in Wisconsin. Crime and all Friday. Welcome to the Man Walk Minute. Let's get these headlines done real quick once. Yeah, let's get these headlines done real quick once. Adam, What do you got, Fence? Adam is in for Eric this morning. Uh, the Dodge County Sheriff's Office Facebook page. Here's how it starts. We are aware there is a loose bull. Yes, we are aware. <laughs> yes. Stop calling us about the bull. That's a good start. Sheriff's Office reports a bull escaped from the Milwaukee Stockyards near Reeseville, which is near Columbus. Mm-hmm. Direct from the statement here, the bull was described as, quote, dangerous and not friendly, and that it will charge at people. Oh, oh, that angry look on its face suggested it was friendly. Right. Are there friendly bulls? I've yet to meet one. Some are probably friendlier than others, but nonetheless, this one apparently is not friendly. Still out there, residents, hunters, and those driving through the area, especially driving at night, should use caution when in that general area. Scan the comments section. A lot of folks are obviously asking for updates. Nothing official from the sheriff's office on the Facebook page. No sightings either in scanning the comments. I did speak with the sheriff's dispatcher this morning. That's right. She said as far as she knows, they are still looking for the bull. And it's important to note, residents, please do not approach the bull. Direct quote, it will charge at people. Yes, so the sheriff's office, uh, also according to the Facebook post, has been asked to euthanize the animal if it is located due to the threat it would pose to people. Also probably due to the fact that it was at the stockyards, (laughs) which meant... So it's already not having a good day. Didn't have a great future ahead, nonetheless. Uh, They will take, they said they will update the post with any physical description of the bull when they get it. And again, as of this morning, still out there. Uh, I would think it would be pretty apparent, but anyway, help out Sheriff Dale Dale Schmidt up there. If you see the bull, give him a call. Let's keep her moving. 614 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Another week, another down-to-the-wire contest Sunday that resulted in a loss for Green Bay. The Packers had two cracks in the red zone in the final minutes, but the Pittsburgh defense got interceptions both times as the Steelers hang on for the 23-19 victory. Dime package for the Steelers. All around the goal line. Look at him guarding the goal line, and then you better block 90 and 56. One last chance for the Packers. Love throws. End zone. Intercepted. And it's over. Casey. It's done. I didn't break the remote yesterday, Vince, in case you were wondering over no, there. No, we're past that at this point. Now it's just like, <laughs> we're yep. good. Oh, well. We accepted it. It was it was a positive day. <laughs> the call there on CBS's Love was intercepted to end the game, and with the loss, the Packers, after winning last week, fall to 3-6 and six on their season. I'm obviously very disappointed. I thought our guys competed and battled hard, and but there are no more victories in this league, and you got to give Pittsburgh a ton of credit. Uh, we were right there at the end of the game and had an opportunity to go win the game and twice. Um, and like many times that we've seen on tape, their defense makes a play. They got two picks to, to kind of close it out. Quarterback Jordan Love took two shots at the end zone. As you heard there, he was picked off both times. The last one coming on the final play of the game 
from the Pittsburgh 16-yard line for the Packers. Love was 21 of 40 for 289 yards to go along with two touchdowns. You know, it's very frustrating. Like I said, I mean, we've been put in this situation a, a lot of times, and we have not found a way to win it. So, yeah, it is, it is frustrating, but, you know, we just got to find a way, dig deeper. But it comes down to, you know, so many different plays in the game throughout the course of the game that, you know, just we can execute better and take advantage of some of those situations, and I don't even think we'll put ourselves in this position at the end of the game, but uh, yeah, we've got to definitely find a way. Coming up next, the Packers will welcome in the Los Angeles Chargers to Lambeau Field next Sunday. Over to the NBA, where the struggling Bucks will look to rebound tonight in Milwaukee. After dropping their last two games on the road, the Bucks will return home tonight to play host to the Chicago Bulls. Tip-off time is all set for 7 p.m. with Bucks shoot-around getting underway right here on WTMJ starting at 6. And lastly, the Chicago Cubs will officially introduce their new manager in Craig Council this morning. The Brewers, however, still in search of theirs. The Athletics' Ken Rosenthal has the latest in Milwaukee, and while ruling out a full rebuild for the Brewers should not happen. Their owner, Mark Atanasio, has always been opposed to a straight rebuild. They haven't done that, and they haven't needed to do that. But here they are. They just lost counsel. And I don't know that one thing has anything to do with the other, but given that you've lost your manager, you have a, s- a certain situation here with a number of players, it's something that they have to look at. All teams listen on all players at all times. If you're the Brewers, you have to be considering all possibilities here, and you have to be considering the direction that I wrote about. Tough weekend doesn't get any better starting today, Vinny, when the Cubs and Council toss on that jersey, and after the weekend we just had the Bucks didn't win, the Badgers, well... <laughs> that was worse. Boy. That was worse. Than we won't even this. talk about that one, Oof. and and obviously the Packers lost. So, uh, if you're looking for good news this morning, uh, come back Tuesday. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> you gonna watch the council thing today? Gonna hurt. I, yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm curious. They're gonna hear... put a little jersey on him and stuff. He's gonna wear yeah. his little Cubs thing. And, and can pinstripes. you? What's that gonna look like? Him wearing a Cubs jersey? I can't. I still can't envision. I can't see it. You, you, when Eric was here and we were talking about it a couple weeks ago, I was like, I just don't see him in any other uniform. I, I don't. And I know he's played, obviously, yeah. throughout you know his career, his playing career with other teams. But, man, for the good part of my adulthood, he's been a brewer manager. I'm going to watch and I'm going to just absorb all of it. I'm curious to, I'm curious to hear what he says, if, if he mentions the Brewers at all. He, he will, I would but it won't be would. like he's not going to reveal anything. He's not going to yeah. talk about you know the negotiation, Contract, yeah. right? And there should be questions about that, but he won't answer. No, right? no, I don't think so. Six nineteen on Wisconsin's Morning News in Milwaukee. At 623 on this Monday morning, Wisconsin's Morning News. Eric off for another couple of days. Adam Roberts from the WTMJ Newsroom is alongside here. Greg Pancake Hill producing the program. So, Adam was bringing to my attention something that we covered in the news like a week or two ago, some changes uh, in Milwaukee housing and this push for affordable housing. But you're seeing deeper into this as something as we move forward. So, yeah, it kind of flew under the radar a bit. I mean, it was a big, crazy week and this tends to happen. But I look at this and for those who aren't aware, so the city is trying to redo how it zones properties and trying to diversify the different kinds of housing you can see. Like, some examples, if you've ever heard of a triplex, we have a lot of duplexes, very old school kind of setup in Milwaukee. Sure, a little side by side or a little upstairs, downstairs. I live in one right. of them. I'm an upper and I live above guy who lives below me. So we're try- the city is trying to diversify the types of housing that it can build. And the bigger goal here is the mayor, Cavalier Johnson, has said for a couple of years now he wants a million in Milwaukee. And he's doubling down. He's 
triplexing down, if you will, on this proposal <laughs> to get a million people in the city proper. Current population for Milwaukee, just under 600,000, right? About 575. Somewhere there, in that neighborhood. The, the census right. is really flexible, yeah. and 2020 was not exactly a banner year for that department, so it's a little uncertain. And the thing that I've always thought about this, because I've heard and talked to different people who've thought different things about this. Oh, it'll never happen. Oh, it's stupid. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's again continuing to see that population is not going up right now. In fact, the trends show that it continues to decline. And I would just say to the mayor, as we look at these proposals, it's a good idea, but I caution trying to have this arbitrary number of people that defines what makes a city, I guess, recognizable on the bigger scale of things, because you've we've seen places like think about Charlotte, an example of a city that maybe 20 years ago was roughly about the size of Milwaukee now and now has about 900,000 people. Their infrastructure was not prepared for hundreds of thousands of more people to suddenly land in that city. You talk about piping, you talk about roads. I mean, we're just getting by with the stuff that we have right now. So like, <laughs> you talk about a, a little getting by going us. on. Yes. <laughs> Not to mention that it's just old. A lot of the stuff we're still trying to replace lead piping at a snail's pace. So isn't the counter to that, though, as you bring more people in, you have more people on the tax rolls, more development will bring in greater revenues so then we can build out that infrastructure. That's a fair point to make. I will say the elephant in the room in all of this is we see these gorgeous new high rises in like the Lower East Side, downtown, Bayview, whatever it is. Elephant in the room is you got to put some of that development into other areas of the city. You have a giant chunk of northern Milwaukee that just doesn't see this type of development. And they'll say, well, it's a risk. We might not be willing to take. Well, you got to be risky if you want to grow. Six forty-two, Wisconsin's morning news. A couple of things to keep an eye on in Madison this week, particularly out of the state Senate. American Family Field funding package should come before the full Senate later this week. More on that in a moment. I want to start here. Senate committee will also be having a look at a bill that passed the assembly with bipartisan support, which is fairly rare these days. You made me double take this. Right? Huh? Uh, It's going to allow clerks to begin processing absentee ballots the day before Election Day. Clerks across the state have been asking for authority to do this for some time. What it's intended to prevent is the late night, quote unquote, ballot dump that can turn elections at late hours. Now, one issue we have in Americans' confidence in elections is certainly born of our impatience. We want to know right now who won, right? Exactly. I remember being at the Mandela Barnes event uh, during his race against Ron Johnson. We were just tapping our toes at Turner Hall because of a lot of these late ballots arriving at 10 p.m. Particularly in larger communities where they have what they call a central count. They take all the absentee ballots to one spot and they process them, you know, oftentimes after the polls have closed. So it creates sort of a feeling that, well, this person is ahead of that person when in reality at 8 p.m. the election's over. No one's really winning or losing. The vote is in. I talked with Dr. Julia Azar. She was a professor at politi- of political science at Marquette University. Talked about that earlier this year. This was among the concerns of folks who were part of a national group, and Dr. Azar was, uh, Azari was part of that. They recommended a number of changes to the elections process to help instill greater confidence. Um, she was invo- invited to join that panel, and among the things they did, they produced this document – with all these recommendations. And she talked about this sort of horse race. Once the votes are in, it's, you know, eight o'clock on election night, votes are in and they're being counted. Whatever pace they're being counted in that locality is that they not 
the, the media not continue the sort of horse race framing of one candidate is in the lead or someone is pulling ahead, because that makes it sound like it's still a dynamic process um, and that there's some there's some uncertainty about what the votes are. The votes are in that the election result exists. We just don't know it yet. That's Dr. Julia Azari from Marquette University. So the bill that passed the assembly would allow clerks to begin processing absentee ballots, feeding them into machines. They wouldn't actually start tabulating them on Monday, but they could start that process the day before the election. It would be to avoid, you know, you go to bed after the 10 o'clock news, your candidate's up 10 points, you wake up, your candidate lost by five. What happened? How is that possible? This would help avoid some of that confusion. It's if it's not tinkered with too much in the Senate here, General Sentinel says Governor Tony Evers would be expected to sign it. We have it in place for the next election cycle. On the issue of tinkering, the Senate is expected this week to take up the American Family Field funding bill that passed the Assembly. There are already changes being made to that funding package. Under the Senate version, even if it passes, then the Brewers would pay a bit more. Milwaukee would get some direct representation on the board that oversees the stadium district, and there'd be a ticket tax on non-baseball events at American Family Field. So that would be like concerts and stuff. Which, by the way, the Assembly has already said that that ticket tax is a non-starter, right. so it feels like, I don't want to get ahead of the story, yeah. but it feels like that could have some problems. It certainly would be if it were a matter of taxing Brewers tickets, and the Brewers have been absolutely opposed to that. They want to keep baseball as affordable as possible. I don't know that I necessarily see a poison pill in any of this, but from what I'm reading, there still may be a struggle to even get to 17 votes in the Senate, which is needed for passage. And at that, whatever passes the Senate, quick civics 101 here, identical bill would then go back to the state assembly and they would have to pass it over again. So we're basically playing a game of political ping pong. Yes. So both things to watch in Madison this week. 646, Brandon's got sports up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Green Bay Packers lost another down-to-the-wire game on Sunday afternoon, this time to the Steelers, 23-19 in Pittsburgh, to fall to 3-6 on their season. Coming up next, the Packers will welcome in the L.A. Chargers to Lambeau Field for a Week 11 matchup on Sunday. The 5-4 Milwaukee Bucks will look to bounce back tonight after suffering back-to-back losses on the road. Milwaukee will welcome in the Chicago Bulls tonight for a 7 p.m. tip-off at Pfizer Forum. And lastly, in college football news, Texas A&M decided on Sunday to fire head coach Jimbo Fisher after six seasons, resulting in a contract buyout of more than $77 million, the largest in college football history. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. The story of this 2023 Packers team is obviously still ongoing, but after Sunday, one thing that was certainly on full display in Pittsburgh, growth. Jaden Reed with a big day leading the team in yards and receptions to go along with the touchdown. Luke Musgrave making a big play late. Dontavian Wicks, who continues to look like a steal from last year's draft class. And of course, a first-year starter in Jordan Love. All of them making huge plays against one of the league's best defenses. Here's a fun stat for you of Love's 289 yards on Sunday. 199 of them went to those three rookies that I just named. That, folks, is progress. Look, when the Packers decided to trade away number 12 this past April, this is something each one of us knowingly signed up for. We wanted to see this growth. We wanted to see this progress, and we knew there would be ups and there would be downs. This was supposed to be expected, and on Sunday, despite the loss, it was a positive step forward for the league's youngest team. 
if your expectations were raised after trading a guy like Aaron Rodgers, then I don't know if there's any way this will help you. Yes, there were mistakes. Yes, there were missed blocks, missed throws, and untimely turnovers. But this is the ugly part of rebuilding. This is the part nobody likes to talk about. You have to fall down before you get back up. And on Sunday, to me, this team got back up and almost won a game when their defense gave up over 200 yards on the ground to the opposing team. This was the way this Packers season was always going to go. Anything more or anything less was just unrealistic. At the end of the day, we saw a lot of positive growth. And even despite the loss, if you're still failing to see that, turn the game back on, rewatch it, take a deep breath, take the sting out of the loss, and then get back to me. My man Telly Hughes in the house today from 101.7 The Truth. You're just saying you're going to talk about something pretty uh, yes, interesting. Yes, on show we here. have some very interesting topics. This as from we the do friendly skies. <laughs> yes. So apparently, there's this Grammy-nominated gospel singer that was traveling on this particular airline. Not sure which one. Doesn't really matter. But she was singing out loud, and apparently. The flight attendant wasn't feeling it, and he went and said, excuse me, uh, you're annoying other travelers. Basically, could you shut up? And How'd she, she like that? And she was like, <laughs> and she was like, well, am I annoying everybody? And then she kind of turned around. And, oh, but no, 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 don't put me in that. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, but no one wanted to say this. anything, <laughs> of course. I mean, no one's going to be like, yes, shut up all that God <laughs> singing, you know, so. She turns around and she was asking and no one said anything. And then he was like, well, as your flight attendant, I'm instructing you to be quiet. So it poses the question that we're going to have today on Truth Be Told with DT and Telly from 7 to 9. And that is, what are some of the things that annoys you when you are on airlines? And you would really hope that the person next to you or in the row with you would stop doing, but... There's nothing you can really say about it. Like, if the person gets up too many times during a three-hour flight, like if they go to the bathroom six times and you're trying to get some sleep, like, does that annoy you? Does you know? So depends on why they're getting up. The alternative might not be good. You know what I'm there saying? It is. <laughs> well, it's an airline that can you know happen. I mean? We see that happen. I'm totally with you. I almost inevitably always am the aisle seat guy, uh-huh. so I end up having to be like, oh, sorry. suck it in all the time yeah yeah i i just to me yeah just because you're a grammy nominated singer doesn't mean i feel like hearing you sing we don't know what time the flight was we don't know what was going on so i look at it as all right just be courteous like just because you are a great singer or i may be a great speaker but if I got a 5 a.m. flight, I don't think everybody wants to hear Telly Hughes talk you're, for you're two hours. You're doing your show live for the airline, right? <laughs> Just start breaking into operetta while you got your show going on. See how long that lasts. So, yeah, that's, so that's going to be one of many uh, interesting topics that we'll cover today. I appreciate you. Good to see you as always, Telly.